0: Every one of us in this room, we've got dreams, things with all our heart we'd really like to do. But I promise you the only way to get there is to make today count. Start and be faithful in the small things.
1: Welcome back to There Is Always A Way podcast with Dr. Jay Strack. Today's guest is a Basketball Hall of Famer, co-founder of the NBA's Orlando Magic and former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's also one of America's top motivational and inspirational corporate speakers, having addressed employees from many of the Fortune 500 companies. He's the author of over 100 books, He's been the general manager with the NBA teams in Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Orlando, including the 1983 World Champion 76ers. He was named one of the 50 most influential people in the NBA history, and received the John W. Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award from the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Today, there's always a way with
0: Pat Williams. Here's Dr. Strack. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today for There's Always A Way podcast. And I promised when we started this that I would do my best to bring to you the men and women that have motivated me, challenged me, and inspired me. And I was gonna share my friends with my friends. And we have the privilege today, and I say we, but I know I counted a privilege to have Pat Williams, sports legend, sports executive. Um, Other than Walt Disney, Pat may be the most well-known person in Orlando, Florida, but we think the world of Pat Williams and in so many circles, so many fields, so many areas of life. So, Pat, thank you for being with us on There's Always a Way.
1: Well, Jay, thanks for inviting me. I feel very privileged, and uh, it's nice to hook up with you in any fashion, in person, by phone, and now uh, we're Zoom partners, so that
0: sounds good to me. The whole world, I think, is Zoom partners, aren't we? With uh, everything we've been through. Pat? Well,
1: Jay, and we and we still are going through it. It's just amazing. Uh, we go from a, pand- a worldwide pandemic to, to riots in the streets. Uh, it, it, it just is almost, uh, unfathomable what is going on in our world these
0: days. Well, Pat, you know, uh, we've been friends a long time and I've been, I have been—I uh, have some interesting conversations with people all over the world. And I'm hearing that uh, the headlines in some of the places where we have some pretty tense situations going on, be it China or Iran or North Korea or the Middle East, there's all kinds of uh, talk about how this uh, civil rights unrest and class division and class warfare, I mean, the way their medias are using this around the world to talk about that America's on the brink. So I don't think we, you know, we we know ourselves pretty good and we know we uh, fight among ourselves sometimes, but we always seem to be able to get back together. But these are interesting days and right now, the image of the United States around the globe is taking a beating?
1: Well, Jay, I, I don't question that, but we are a strong nation. Uh, we are cor- a courageous nation. Uh, I've just finished <clears throat> writing a book uh, that'll be out on February 1st. It's called uh, Leadership Forged in Crisis wow and it's, a, and it's about uh how this nation was formed formed back in revolutionary war times and we take a look at the key people during that revolutionary war period we do a chapter on each one uh without any of them our nation doesn't make it isn't isn't birthed uh, but these were men and women of great courage uh great fortitude and uh, they are the ones who got the united states of america started so it's it's an interesting approach uh living history i guess you could call it no doubt uh, we've always been a nation of courage jay we've always had leaders at the time of crisis and uh, that's uh, what i'm watching very carefully these
0: days wow well pat i'd already planned to be presumptuous and ask uh would you come back soon and I wanted to talk to you about your, one of your latest books. It's one of my uh, all-time favorites, Character Carved in, in Stone, when you took the, kind of the West Point, the heart of what West Point's all about uh, and, and broke it down so beautifully. But I, I'm going to even be more presumptuous and say, as soon as that book is out, I would love to interview you just on that book, and we'll make sure all of our, it's on every screen and everybody on social media, every way we can folks to know about it. So uh, I want you to thank you for that timely word for right now, that word of encouragement, that word of hope. But uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna right now, write down with fingers crossed, Pat Williams and uh, leadership forged in crisis.
1: Thank you, Jay, I appreciate that very much. And uh, I'm, uh, <clears throat> listen, Jay, we could do a whole session just on the importance of reading. Um, I talk to your kids at SLU frequently about the importance of reading, I know you do as well. So that that uh, that would be a whole other session we could do someday.
0: Yes, sir. Well, Patrick, what do you think of, what's the first thing, you've written over 120 books, and ladies and gentlemen, that's not a generality or a sweeping statement <laughs> that's actual uh i'm broke most of the time because pat had so many books coming out book of the month club but but that's a whole other story but uh pat uh one of the most prolific authors but personal reader himself but pat what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase there's always a way jay i think the first thing that comes to my
1: mind is uh perseverance endurance effort resilience stick-to-itivity is how walt disney would would phrase it wow that um when the tough times come we've got to hang in there we've got to hang tough life is not easy it was never meant to be easy and uh i think god put us on this earth jay uh to be problem solvers uh because in solving problems and going through tough times uh, we come out on the other end as uh, stronger people, more capable, wiser, uh, more sensitive to the needs of others. So uh, th- that would be my Reader's Digest version, uh, Jay, of, of your uh, profound question. And it
0: is a profound question. Well, thank you, man. Those are great, uh, great insights. And Pat, you know, a lot of people that would see Pat Williams, and see uh, all the books on a bookshelf, uh, you know, in a bookstore, uh, you're certainly one of the most successful authors. You're one of the most uh, well-respected men in our country. Uh, and I'm not just talking about in the sports world, but the business world, the ministry, uh, the political world, uh, the Lord has given you uh, a great favor, but you also know from your own personal experience, about going through times of fought, being forged, if you will. You know, we look at your life and it's not just been one uh, world championship after another. There's been some incredible things and remarkable accomplishments, but there've been some uh, paying of dues and, uh, and building and getting back up and dusting yourself off. And so uh, when I think of Pat Williams, I certainly think of there's always a way.
1: Well, Jay, I I think you uh, spoke uh, accurately Uh, and I don't think my life is a whole lot different than most lives. But as I look back, uh, the landmark pieces of my life were were forged around crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1947, uh, we had another child come into our home. But as it turns out, she was a down syndrome baby. And uh, that had a, a, a profound effect on our family. Uh, then uh, <clears throat> returning from my college graduation, my father was killed in an automobile accident. Uh, then uh, I looked further down the road after 23 years of marriage, my, my wife decided to leave, uh, <clears throat> left me with uh, three years of um, single parenting, 18 children, uh, from all over the world that we had adopted. And then further down the road, uh, I was diagnosed 11 years ago with a form of cancer called multiple myeloma. Um, my point is Jay, that, uh, uh, life is not easy, but it's through those tough times that I think I've done my greatest growing and my greatest growth. Uh, I think I've come out of those difficult times a better person but but inner sprinkled through all of that uh, are God's blessings. So I used to think uh, that life was uh, great days and uh, ups and, and then a series of downs, but as Rick Warren explains, it's more like parallel tracks uh, of a railroad. You know, you've got a lot of good things going on in your life, and you've got a lot of difficult things going on at the same time, and uh, you've got to be, capable and able uh, to deal with those tough times. Dr. Warren Wiersbe once said to me, don't waste your sufferings, Pat. Uh, May have been the best piece of advice I've ever been given.
0: Yeah, no question. I I read a book early in my, uh, just starting in my ministry. And sometimes, you know, there are books, certainly none of yours, but there have been times where sometimes the title is the best thing about the book. I don't, you know, you've, you've picked up a few of those kind of books yourself, but there was a book called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And whenever you're going, so, and I turned around and began to use that. Yeah, started speaking in schools about what I had gone through, uh, alcoholism. Not only was I an out al- teenage alcoholic and a teenage methamphetamine junkie, but uh, I'd been through six broken homes and that many foster homes because of alcohol. And so I learned that if you've gone through, like what you described, I watched you as you went through that battle with cancer. And uh, boy, how hard you work and, and how you're, you relied on your faith. But I also know all the folks that you've had opportunities to encourage and give hope to and to counsel as you went through that. So I just love what you said. Don't waste your sorrows don't waste your suffering. And of course, advice from Warren Wiersbe's the kind of advice you hang on to?
1: Well, he was my pastor, Jay, for three years when I was uh, the general manager of the Bulls in Chicago. He was the pastor at that time at the M- Moody Church in Chicago, a great wow. historic downtown church. And to sit under Warren Wearsby's Bible teaching was a, well, it was a great privilege. Uh, he passed away uh, not long ago, but fortunately, Jay, before he passed away, the The Wearsby Study Bible came out. Hmm. And uh, if you're looking uh, for a study Bible, that will really be valuable. Uh, The Wearsby Study Bible is, um, well, it's probably as good as any of them. And there's some really wonderful study Bibles that have come out recently. Uh, But uh, that Wearsby Study Bible is very special.
0: Well, Pat, I remember I was privileged to put together uh, one of the very first teenage Bibles, called The Transformer, and you were such a help to me in getting that message out and that word out. But you know, Pat, when I think of Pat Williams, I I think of, number one, faith. Number two, family. A commitment to family. What you have done in your lifetime, the message on adoption, the message on caring for children that maybe have been uh, throwaways or Forgotten, are neglected, are abandoned. Uh, you, it's uh, one of the most inspiring things. And I think about you, and I think about family. Nineteen children, fourteen of them adopted, and from four different countries, and many had some special challenges and special needs.
1: Jay, that's true. Uh, we uh, we adopted. Uh, 14 children over a 10-year period, 1983 to 1993. Four of them came from South Korea, four from the Philippines, uh, two from Romania, and four from Brazil.
0: Oh man! Uh,
1: there was no master plan. Uh, we just kept hearing about these children and <clears throat> and thought, "Ah, eh, what's what's four more? You know, or what's two more?" Hello. And we woke up one day and had 18 children from all over the world, plus our four birth kids. And then a 19th child came along uh, after uh, Ruth and I got married. And so uh, it's been quite a challenge. Uh, Fortunately, Jay, the the children are all grown up, (laughs) chronologically at least. Uh, The oldest is now 48. The youngest is 35. And uh, they have uh, produced for us 19 grandchildren. And uh, we're enjoying that part of our
0: life right now. No wonder you've written 120 books, I can tell you. Uh, well, Jay,
1: uh, we, I'll tell you, there was one year we had about an $80,000 a year food bill. Uh, fortunately, those were my salad days with the magic, and we were able to afford it. But uh, uh, people just uh, have been kind of amazed at it. Uh, Jay, the real truth of the matter is there are about, well, I can, tell you there were 11 other children we tried to get uh, but for one reason or another we didn't I I I think it's safe to say that uh, uh, we had completely lost control Uh, one day Jimmy uh, our oldest son said to me dad don't you think you could get some other families to help you with this (laughs) I said Jimmy I want to I want to adopt a kid from every nation on earth and he said dad how about one from every continent um, nevertheless, Jay, we're, uh, we've had quite an experience in the child raising business, and it certainly put me in a position to uh, counsel others and provide advice because we have lived through everything that parents could live through as far as raising
0: children is concerned. Well, Pat, I think of faith. I think of family. I think of optimism. You're known as one of the most positive men in America, uh, one of the most inspirational men. You're the ultimate optimist, but yet you are you understand we still got to go through training camp. We still got to make some cuts. We've got to get some brain So even though you're optimistic and uh, a student of leaders and uh, great athletes and great coaches, uh, I just have always been amazed. In fact, uh, your transparency, Pat, is something that is, and I'm, I always tell people, uh, Pat Williams is my closest friend in Orlando because uh, that's how I feel about you and how much you've uh, meant to my life and ministry, and my family loves you. But uh, I've got to be honest, uh, when I went back over and flipped through Ahead of the Game, which is your life story, your official biography, and it's kind of interesting, all the books you've written about so many, uh, that's the book that uh, really tells uh, your story, and I just love the phrase in, in, in it, and again, your transparency. But you just talked about that uh, you'd been through the thrill of victory and the agony of divorce. And oh, I, I was privileged uh, to know you and be able to walk with you through that time. And the way you sought godly counsel and how hard you worked, to do whatever you could do because of your commitment to marriage and family. Uh, but the way you turn to uh, uh, some different men of God for wisdom. And I remember I said, Pat, just ask them, what are one or two, What are, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I watched you do every one of the things from the advice of that handful of uh, some pretty impressive spiritual leaders who loved you and cared for you. And, you know, Pat, uh, I said, you know, Pat, when you go through all that, I promise you, God, God is going to, to bless you. Because even though this is such a painful time, and sure enough, I guess I'm a prophet, uh, Miss Ruthie came along, one of the most amazing ladies, and you write about it and share about uh, what all y'all have been able to do together. So it's such a great transparent story. Well, thank you, Jay. I, um, As I look back, uh, Ruth,
1: that uh, we call uh, the Miracle Lady, uh, I met her uh, in the midst of that crisis. I was single parenting 18 children, hanging on for dear life. I uh, kind of felt at times the ship was sinking. And uh, Ruth worked for a company called Franklin Covey. Uh, she still works there. She t- teaches time management and organizational skills. How to use your Franklin planner, uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habit course. So uh, we are very, very fortunate to meet her, Jay. It was a miracle. We've been married now for 26 years. It, it's been a, it, it's been a wonderful experience. And you know Ruth, and she's oh. uh, she's very gifted, she has a, a oh, sweetheart, uh, and. Uh, and mother with the best of them and she grandmothers well and um she's a f- fascinating lady so uh jay as you pointed out uh god uh, is good uh god loves us uh god has a plan for us he has a purpose for our lives and we're to be constantly uh, seeking that and searching that and uh through this pandemic jay i, I i've just when people ask for counsel, I just have said to them, uh, stay close to the Lord, stay close to the Lord. Amen. I think that's the best uh, advice that I I could think of to offer.
0: So that's a,
1: that's a quick, uh, quick look at that spiritual dimension.
0: Well, praise God Uh, Pat. you've let's talk about, uh, a little bit about this storied career. Obviously you've been a general manager, uh, you've led uh, an NBA team to a national cha- world championship, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and then, of course, the Bulls. And uh, obviously, we have the Orlando Magic franchise because of you having a vision and a dream to bring that about and then help build that franchise. Uh, let me just ask you about some of the players that you've uh, and, and get your just a brief assessment of, of them or their life. You've had Dr. J. Now there's two great legendary Dr. J's obviously, but there's one uh, who's a basketball player and he's a pretty impressive guy in his own right, Julius Irving.
1: J, uh, Dr. J who we acquired in Philadelphia uh, in 1976, uh, I think the word that comes to mind is, is class. Caring, competitivist, obviously a great talent, but uh, when I think of Julius Irving, I think that he always had time for people. Uh, he was never in a hurry, uh, signed every autograph, answered every question of the media, uh, never was in a hurry, and uh, truly, truly a, 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 a caring, interested human being in other people. That's what I think of when I think of Doc.
0: Pat, you've written so many books on team building and on teams, and obviously you've been a, a student of that, but also you've been a practitioner of that, of taking a group of highly talented individuals, all different kind of backgrounds and temperaments, and molding them uh, into a team. Uh, if you have a Dr. J, that's a franchise, that's an anchor store in the mall. But uh, there was another guy that was also a part of that team that really helped round that out, Bobby Thompson. And uh, I was uh, I've always been amazed when I hear you talk about a team. Yes, there's a Shaquille O'Neal or a Penny Hardaway or Tracy McGrady. There's some of these phenomenal you know, legendary players, but it really does take a team to accomplish the goal.
1: Well, Jay, there's no question, extreme dreams in any field do depend on teams. I've written about teamwork. I've, uh, I've talked about it. Um, what are the ingredients of, of successful teams in, in any field? And I've come up with a few principles, Jay, that I have found to be absolutely ironclad. Number one, uh, there has never been a great team, uh, that didn't have outstanding talent. Uh, That seems like an obvious statement, but many organizations shy from talent. Uh, Let's face it, talented people can be independent. Uh, Talented people can have their own opinions. Talented people can can be very stubborn at times, but without great talent, uh, you you have no chance to be successful. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Jay, every team in any field that I've ever studied uh, had outstanding leadership. It's impossible uh, to have a great team unless you have outstanding leadership. We could spend the next five hours talking about leadership, but without it, a team does not have a chance. Uh, There's a third principle, Jay, that I have learned. Uh, Great teams are committed. Uh, There's an ironclad commitment uh, to great teams. Uh, uh, And I've, I've learned that they are committed in four different areas. Uh, They are committed to each other. Uh, Secondly, they are committed to excellence. Uh, They're committed to an extremely high level of quality. Thirdly, great teams are committed to compete. Uh, We live, Jay, in a competitive society, not just sports, but in every field. Hmm. And if you're, as a teammate, if you're not willing to uh, lock down and compete every day, you're going to get washed right out of the parade. And then fourthly, great teams are committed to winning. Uh, we live in a country, Jay, where winning is everything, right, uh, whether right. it's in sports or whether it's in war, whether it's in business, whether it's in any field, uh, we're all about winning. And we should never apologize for that. Uh, the United States of America is a nation of winners, and, and we need to keep uh, an eye on that very, very closely. So those are three uh, important ingredients, Jay, that I think every team has to have.
0: Wow. Pat, you some of my favorite books that you've written. You've really spent a lot of time highlighting, uh, leadership traits and leadership characteristics and skills of some of the legendary coaches. And, uh, whether it's Vince Lombardi, our coach Bear Bryant, uh, coach Bobby Bowden. And then, uh, of course, uh, I think somebody you uh, have such great love for, uh, the legendary coach, the wizard of uh, Westwood, you know, uh, uh, the coach of coaches. Tell me about this fascination with coaches.
1: Well, Jay, I have uh, written extensively about coaches. You mentioned uh, Bear Bryant and Vince Lombardi, two legendary coaches, uh, and then... Uh, I did a book on Bobby Bound on leadership and then uh, Tom Osborne on leadership. I've written four books now on coach John Wooden. Uh, he um, he very graciously, Jay, allowed me uh, into his life. He lived till 99, um, somewhere in his 80s. You know, I approached him about a book idea and he, uh, he gave me the green light to go ahead with it. And that has led to, uh, well, a total of four. Um, there was a poll done uh, some years back by the Sporting News to rank uh, the greatest coaches of all time. It was, a, it was very thoroughly researched and they had a panel of experts and uh, Coach Wooden was ranked as the number one coach of all time. Uh, shortly thereafter came uh, Vince Lombardi, I think was two, uh, Bear Bryant was three uh, and so forth, but John Wooden stood alone as the greatest coach of all time. Well, he had that marvelous run at UCLA, eight straight titles, 10 in 12 years. I mean, it was just remarkable what, what they were able to accomplish. But, but far beyond that, uh, John Wooden uh, brought so much more than just uh, X's and O's and, and uh, NCAA titles. He was a very gracious man, a very caring of other people, uh, always had time for you no matter who you were, your station in life, always, always had time for you. And uh, he just had a special quality about him, Jay. Whenever whenever you would leave his presence after time with him, um, well, this, was, this is how I felt. I, I always wanted to be a better person uh, when I walked away from him. Uh, I never played for him. I never was with him, you know, on a regular basis. But... But he just made you want to be a better person. Uh, there are not many people like that, Jay. I've had a few in my life yes, uh, that, that you did not want to disappoint them. And uh, you did not want to let them down. I've had a handful of men like that in my life. But uh, John wouldn't be, had that quality that everybody who encountered him uh, wanted to be better as a result of time spent with him. So that, uh, those are a couple of observations on, on the great John Wooden.
0: I had the privilege of uh, spending some time with Rich DeVos on several occasions. And he said something very interesting about you. And uh, we were talking and I said, uh, I said, man, you mean the world to Pat Williams and, and of course to Florida and Orlando and plus such a generous, uh, godly man, God fearing man but he said, you know, Pat Williams is the kind of guy that will always be asking for something, but it's never for himself. Mm. It's for other people. It's for someone who needs a break. It's for someone that uh, needs an opportunity. It's someone who's been treated unfair, but I never will forget that. At first I went, well, you know pat's always asking me for something and of course a man of that position gets approached to a lot of people wanting something but he described you as somebody that was always asking but never for himself i thought that was one of the great compliments
1: well thanks jay i wrote a book uh, some years back called how to be like rich devos and uh, it was uh, and i spent uh, Well, Jay, I spent uh, all close to 30 years with him after we convinced him to come here and uh, head up the ownership of a potential baseball team, which didn't happen, but he ended up buying the Magic, he and his family. Um, What made Rich DeVos unique? Well, Jay, he had an extraordinary area. I, I just call them people skills. Hmm. He, he cared about people. He was interested in you, no matter what your station in life. He would go out of his way to engage you. Uh, he had a wonderful statement, Jay, when, when he w- was with you. He, he would just say, tell me about you. <laughs> wow. I mean, what, what, a, what a nice uh, opening. You know, just tell me about you. And you would begin to tell you, him about you. And then he would say, tell me more. And he, he genuinely uh, wanted to know. He he was a great listener, and I I have was deeply moved that uh, Rich DeVos, uh, one of America's wealthiest men, uh, a, a worldwide business figure, uh, wanted to know about you. So uh, there's a lot to learn from his life. Uh, that that book, Jay, is well worth reading. How to be like Rich DeVos. Um, you know, it's floating around out there. You can go up to Amazon; it's always a good way to order books. And uh, I think you'll, I think you'll be benefited by learning about the life of Rich Devos, the late Rich Devos. He passed away a couple of years ago. Jay he lived into his nineties and
0: uh, had a, he, had a heart transplant. Uh, he did
1: back in when he was in his seventies. It allowed him to live another fifteen or so plus years. And they, were, and they were important years. They were valuable years. And I'm so glad that that transplant took place that allowed him to extend his life and extend his influence and extend the impact that he had on so many.
0: Well, I want to encourage everyone listening or watching uh, this podcast to uh, do what uh, President Bush uh, said one time some years ago and kind of has lived on. He said, I just did the Google. And, you know, of course, you go, well, Mr. President, don't say you just did the Google. But sounds like something you can get arrested for. But, uh, you know, go on go-, go on Amazon and put in how to be like Walt, how to be like Michael Jordan, how to be like John Wooden or Rich DeVos. And I promise you, you're going to find a series of books. And I want to ask you about Michael Jordan. I have to. You know, we've all been talking about the 30 by 30 Uh, series, and uh, uh, The Last Dance, and the Michael Jordan story, and his competitiveness, but uh, you've uh, always seemed to have had a good relationship with Michael, and he's always trusted you, uh, gave you a lot of access in that book, and permission for all his friends to contribute, and again, I know sometimes that's one of the great compliments of life, when folks will trust you, Uh, to really get to know what makes them tick. Was that a a fascinating journey, experience?
1: Jay, um, Michael Jordan is a very interesting person, uh, far beyond basketball. He's very smart, very bright, Hmm. uh, very intelligent, has great insights uh, into life. Uh, Anyway, after that series that we've just seen, The Last Dance, uh, I was so moved uh, by the way that ended and how Michael apparently was going to walk away from the game on that note, I began to study his life and, and I came up with a, with a speech about how to be like Mike and the qualities that he possessed. Well, one thing led to the other and uh, the, the thought was, you know, this, this really should be a book. And so we found the right publisher and I went to work, Jay, I must have done... I don't know eight or 900 interviews. As I look back, maybe more, uh, anybody who would have known Michael all the way back to his youth in Wilmington, North Carolina, up to his pro teammates, everybody in between, you know, I would ask them to just tell me about Michael. And the end result was this book, uh, how to be like Mike, uh, the different qualities that you can take from him. Michael's far from a perfect person, Jay. He's a, he's a, he's a flawed human being like all of us. But, there, but there's some valuable lessons to learn from that man about his focus. And I think, Jay, that may be uh, the number one thing that I came away with. Uh, Michael's ability to focus, uh, to lock out distractions. Once he got on that, that basketball court, within those dimensions, uh, everything out in the rest of his life was put on hold. I mean, it was out there, and he was totally locked in. Hmm. That's what I've noticed about successful people, Jay, about uh, people that we really admire in any field. Uh, they have the ability to almost go through life with blinders on. Uh, nothing distracts them. Uh, they are locked in, focused, and <clears throat> I wrote a book a few years ago about that, simply called Extreme Focus. Uh, okay. Just the ability to stay uh, in in uh, touch and concentrating and not being distracted by all the things around us. Well, that was certainly the case with Michael.
0: Now, Pat, yeah. one of my favorite memories of you is it, it what seemed like hundreds of magic games. Uh, you would be in the tunnel and you would be standing in the tunnel and during every timeout, you would go back to reading whatever book you had <laughs> in your hand. And then at halftime, I was privileged to go back to see you several times back uh, you know, during the halftime, miss all the uh, show going on on court, and you would be on an exercise bike while reading. And so there's two things that you're known for, your love for books and your passion about reading. I want to ask you how that really got started in you and uh, tell us a little bit about what that's added to your life. But right after that is fitness. And I never will forget, I got to tell you, coming to see you while battling cancer, there you were on an exercise bike with a stack of books, and you were reading while you were pedaling. Now, you and that gown, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> go, uh, but, uh, anyway. Now, I, I,
1: I modeled those gowns beautifully, Jay. In fact, yeah. I've got a whole line of gowns. Uh, The Pat Williams gowns line, if you're interested in getting a nice hospital gown. Uh, uh, um, I grew up in a home uh, of um, of educators. My mother was a reader. Uh, My dad was as well. Uh, But books were always thrust in front of me. From the time I was very young, I became a reader of baseball. Um, Now, as time went on, I, I developed other interests and my reading expanded. Uh, but people, uh, particularly parents, will say, "I can't get my kid to read. What's the story here?" And I said, "Well, what is he interested in? What does she like? what What is really an interest area? And And when that happens, Jay, you're going to want to learn more about your interest. And I think that's where reading becomes just a natural consequence. Quick example. Uh, it, it was I, I lived in Philadelphia for twelve years uh the battle of gettysburg was just a couple of hours away from philadelphia but i never had been there in my early 40s i, I did go out and and was so riveted and and so captured uh, by what we learned at gettysburg that i became a, a a civil war buff and and began to want to learn and study everything i could about the american civil war and the natural outpouring and the natural consequence is to read about it. And so, multiple hundreds of books later, uh, just to satisfy my w- uh, wanting to learn more about the Civil War, I became a reader in that field. So, th- that's my point. Uh, when you have an interest, you wanna learn, and I think that triggers reading. And, and so, I tell, young, I tell a, a parents, uh, get your kid interested. You know, Find out where they're interested. Is it history? Is it sports? Uh, What field is it? And then I think reading becomes a lot more uh, natural. It becomes easier because you have a desire to learn yourself. You can't force reading on people. It has to come from within. And it comes from within when an interest is developed.
0: What book is beside your bed or beside your chair in the living room? Well, Jay, I've just finished two
1: books. I, I, I continue to read about baseball. There's a new book uh, that, that Willie Mays has written. Wow. Uh, Willie is 89 years old now. It just is just came, has come out. I read it in a couple of sittings. And there's also another book that has just come out uh, by Lou Gehrig. Uh, this is a book that he had written, Jay, back uh, when he had good health, but it was never published. And and so someone has found the manuscript, and and they have published it. Uh, Luke Gehrig's memoirs up to a certain point in his life that was never published but has now been published and I uh, I, I was fascinated to read that book those are the two uh, that I've just read most recently uh, and I, I read Jay generally uh, five or six books at the same time you know I'll read in one and several chapters and then decide well, ah, let's swing over and go from baseball uh, to uh, World War Two, and, and then we'll go there, and let's go further here and read about the life of George Washington. So uh, I, I like to rotate at the time, and the goal, and I don't always hit it, but the goal is to finish uh, one book a day, and if you're reading five or six a day, well, you, you probably have a good chance to finish one a day. Uh, people ask me how What do you read and how often? Well, it starts in the morning. Uh, I have five newspapers delivered in the driveway. Uh, I've always been a newspaper reader, Jay. I I learned uh, to read the New York Times sports section
0: when I was seven uh, just to learn about baseball. Well, Patrick, uh, we've talked about team building. We've talked about reading. Tell us about fitness. What role has that played in your life?
1: Jay, it's played an important role. Uh, I became um, very much aware about the importance of taking care of my body uh, when I was quite, quite young. Uh, And then more so as I got into my 20s, the jogging phase, uh, the jogging craze had hit. And I got caught up in it and and became a a daily advocate of jogging. Um, And then... uh, uh, somewhere along the line, uh, somebody challenged me to run a half marathon, and that was kind of addictive, and that led to uh, the field of marathon running. I did 58 of them over a 15-year period, and um, but I've always been uh, felt it was important to exercise regularly, uh, to to try and eat properly, and get the right amount of rest. Uh, so those, those are awfully important, Jay, if you're gonna have a productive life. Uh, God uh, doesn't want you to tear your body apart. He wants you to take good care of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's some, just some basic fundamentals. Your body needs exercise, your body needs rest, and your body needs to be fueled properly. And so uh, I learned way back from a, a very, very sharp dietitian years ago. Uh, she said this, eat early, Eat often. Eat balanced. Eat lean. Eat bright. And remember that the beverage of champions is not Diet Coke's. It's not Diet Pepsi. It's water. Water. So those those uh, little basic principles have always been valuable to me.
0: Last of all, I've saved this question. I consider you a patriot, not only some of the books you've written and your love for history, but you are have always been deeply concerned. Uh, I guess being around basketball, you've always had a real uh, burden for that everybody be given the best education and everybody get a fair shake and everyone have access. And I've just watched you uh the things that matter most seem to be the things you care about and certainly uh this nation we live in has been awfully good to us and uh so when we talk about the heart of a patriot that's another thing that comes to mind when i think about you so give us a closing word on uh how to really love your country
1: god bless america jay Uh, i i believe that uh God set this country up to be a model to other countries in the world. And it's our responsibility uh, each generation uh, to carry those principles forward. Uh, America and the model of this country is a miracle. It's a miracle, Jay, how our country even started. Hmm. Uh, We had no business winning the revolutionary war against the, the greatest military force in the world, Great Britain, we had no business winning that. Uh, we were undermanned, we were underfed, underclothed, underpaid, under everything. Fortunately, we had a great leader in George Washington. Uh, America would not be where it is today without George Washington's leadership during those eight tough years, um, but he led us to, a vic- to victory. And uh, when you study how that war went, Jay, we, There were miracles after miracles that allowed us to win the war. Uh, So I firmly believe that God had a special plan for America, a special reason that America came into existence. And there's no guarantee of our liberty. Each generation has to carry it on and and keep this country in the forefront. So I uh, encourage all people, Jay, particularly young people, Be proud of this country. Yes, we're not perfect. We have faults. Uh, There are many, many problems that this country is faced with, but uh, we're the the greatest concept on earth. Uh, We've been a great, great influence on other nations and we'll continue that. So uh, be proud of your country, folks. Uh, Be proud of the United States of America. Be proud to be a citizen of this nation and uh, always stand up for, for liberty
0: you know pat i'm amazed that things have become so partisan and divided but no matter who the president has been my family's always made it uh, part of what we do daily to pray for our president pray for his family pray for his children pray for his health his protection and pray for our judges and representatives and vice president i mean so Uh, In this day and age, I hope we never get away from uh, praying for God's will and God's protection and God's blessing on our nation and upon our leaders.
1: Well, Jay, I'm with you on that. Uh, There's power in prayer. And uh, we've got the great privilege of addressing our Heavenly Father on a regular basis. And he hears our prayers, Jay. And he, uh, he answers them, not always according to our timetable. Uh, not always the way we want them answered, but he does answer prayer. He answers it on his timetable, not ours. And the key piece uh, of any prayer, Jay, should always be uh, your will be done. Uh, Your will be done. Our Father in heaven, may your will be done. And and that should always envelop all of our prayers. Uh, Hmm. But God uh, loves to hear from his children.
0: He wants to hear
1: from his children. And when we don't, uh, speak out to him. I think he's very disappointed. Um, he loves us and he cares for us and uh, he created us. He knows everything about us and uh, we need to cling tightly to him. Uh, during this pandemic, I just advise people stay close to the Lord. Uh, that's where we belong, right? Safely, you know, hanging onto his neck for dear life. I think that's the best way to go about it.
0: Well, what a great way to, to close Patrick. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to you about leadership forged in crisis. So I'm going to be buzzing back around to make sure we capture that so that when it comes out, we can be really banging the drum. Second of all, I want you to know, I thank God for you. We pray for you, pray for Ruth, your children, your family, and I'm just grateful for the influence and impact that you make. You have been a great role model for youth pastors by the thousands when you've spoken at a lot of our youth pastor summits. And of course, Student Leadership University, Pat Williams is such a key, integral part. I think you've spoken to uh, all but just a handful in the 25 years of student leadership. Of course, you have one of the corniest lines in the world about uh, free speech. But besides that, uh, uh I want to thank you for your love for students and the way you help us raise up a generation of leaders.
1: Well, Jay, let me just say this in closing that concept, uh, that you had burning with inside of you many, many years ago. Uh, when you think about 25 years and then the tens of thousands of students that have come through that program, uh, to learn about leadership and, and have heard from some of the great communicators in our nation and challenging these young people. There's no telling uh, wh- wh- where those kids who are now, what, got a, many of them have to be in their 30s now, yes, uh, they're yes. adults. and uh, it all started uh, just as a little thought in your mind and wow, what a concept. So uh, we, uh, we owe you a great debt of thanks, Jay, for developing a whole generation of leaders in this country.
0: Well, thank you, buddy.
1: And thank you for listening to There's Always a Way with Dr. Jay Strack. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend by taking a screenshot and posting it to your story or tagging us on Instagram or Twitter at the letter J Strack 007. If you haven't yet, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. Because of you, others are able to be encouraged and equipped by these incredible
0: episodes.